I can't afford a $5 coffee every day anymore, but I can still make coffee. You're, you're still broke. <laughs> you're still broke. Your business is still broke. There's no such thing as sweat equitying your way through bankruptcy and foreclosure and homelessness. That doesn't work. I don't know that you would give that advice to someone starting a business. Hi, everybody. My name is Kelly Martin, and you are listening to the very first episode of Making It Work, brought to you by FedEx. This is not another show about people running a successful business. With the help of real entrepreneurs who've experienced it all firsthand, we dig deeper and give you the information you won't find anywhere else. Each episode of Making It Work covers one topic, anything from working with factories to how to fire somebody. In this episode, we're discussing when you should start paying yourself. Asking the questions is Tom Scallon. Not making money has never been so fashionable. It seems that every company, from the fledgling startups to the billion-dollar behemoths, takes great pride rooting themselves firmly in the red. So no wonder this attitude is rubbing off on a new generation of entrepreneurs that seem more than happy to endure hardship in the short term to strive for success. After all, if you've got time to spend money, you're probably not working hard enough, right? This was certainly the predominant view when I sat in on a workshop for entrepreneurs last year. Avoiding paying yourself at almost any cost was an ideology that combined both pride and pragmatism, with maybe just a little sprinkling of bravado. Then one of them piped up, aren't you just sick of instant ramen? For this set of entrepreneurs, it seemed that these pre-cooked noodles in a plastic pot weren't just fast and cheap, but also a symbol of independence and self-sacrifice. The meal on the go for those who have quit the nine to five and are following their dream. But for at least one of them, it all gotten a little too much. So how long can you embrace this self-imposed deprivation before the fatigue starts to set in? And isn't it just easier to start paying yourself from the off? To answer these questions, I talked to four of the brightest entrepreneurs in the US today. I'll introduce the rest later, but for now, I'd like you to meet Dana. She's the owner of Anna Ono, a Philly-based company that designs and makes lingerie for women that have undergone breast surgery. I told her that instant ramen is all good and well but asked, when is it time to trade the prefab food for a decent meal ticket? I think the question of when you start to pay yourself is incredibly complex. And I will say one of the regrets I have in building my business was that I didn't carve out if even just a tiny little bit of my budget to pay myself month over month. It doesn't have to be a lot. It could have been $500 or $1,000 or $1,500, whatever that is that you need to really ensure your living expenses should be carved out as soon as it possibly can. Because what I have learned is that as the revenues grow and as the business grows, it becomes harder to carve out that money for yourself when you know you need it in so many other buckets. And then you're going to hit a breaking point. You'll hit a breaking point eventually where your reserve that you had built up runs out. I was living on a reserve from my old job and I had a plan that in three years I would pay myself. And here I am at year four and I'm just now figuring out how to pay myself. So there was a 12-month lull of where I really was running on fumes to keep my life and my bills paid. And now we have to find a place to find those funds in order for me to 
not lose my house <laughs> and to you know keep up with my lifestyle. So it's it becomes trickier if you don't have it in the beginning. Whereas even if it was five hundred dollars a month, when you get some increased revenues, you could say, okay, now I'm good for five hundred fifty dollars a month, and it could be a slow, gradual piece in your budget or your bottom line that's always there and has to be respected. But when times get tough, the owner or the founder is likely the last one to get paid. So you also have to be ready and willing and able to not draw that in one month if it's not there. You know, cash cash is king. So if there's no cash, you can't get paid. When is there enough money for you to collect a salary amongst your employees or amongst the, the growth in the business? And that is only answered in a plan. And that could be your cash flow analysis, that could be your business plan, that could be structured revenue markers that you know you're making X amount of money that can sustain a paycheck for the founder. And at what price? Um, some founders and some businesses, you might get paid half of what you're paying your top employee. Um, and that's part of, you know, you building in your salaries into your business plan and determining what you need to keep your life afloat because you can't run a business if you can't pay your rent. And that's a really tricky thing because you also need the help. You're already invested. You're already giving every minute and every hour of your day to growing your business. But it doesn't help if you lose your car and you lose your house and you can't buy groceries and you can't stay healthy along the way. You can't run a business if you can't pay your rent. Sort of makes sense. According to Dana, carving out even just a little to pay yourself from the beginning saves you a lot of trouble and is the best way to fend off those feelings of anxiety. But what do you do when there just isn't enough money to go around? If you can't afford to pay everyone involved, someone has to take the hit, right? Let's bring David in. He's owned multiple companies, but his current venture is Shark Wheel, a California-based company that makes square wheels for everything from skateboards to luggage. He reckons that sweat equity, or as I incorrectly called it, sweat money, could be a good option for taking a salary from your cash-strapped enterprise. We get onto that later on, but I started with asking him when you should start paying yourself. He didn't have to think long. Immediately. Um, <laughs> in the, and I don't mean that, you know, falsely. From the very first dollars I take from an investor, there's money that has to go out to me. Now, mind you, it's not huge money. I'm always supplementing from something else. Every company I've ever started, it's always been a second thing. So I didn't have to take a lot from it. Um, you're talking $500 a month or something like that. But there was an amount that I always had to have from the company to live on. I was practical that way. I said, if my time and my efforts are going to go into it, there's got to be some way to survive doing this. And if I'm going to transition over to it, it's got to start paying me at that point. So once it becomes a company to me and I'm going to invest my time and resources from it, I start paying myself a little something. I don't know, so, you know, I don't know what my first paychecks were, or what I did in the very first times, but just on the very first one, Shark Wheel, I was only taking like, $750, $1,000 here and there when I needed it. And that's because I had money from other things. I didn't, you know, have to go after that. But when I needed to, it was like, okay, I got to go after that. Um, there comes another point where you say, okay, I'm full-time in the company. Well, once you're full-time in the company, you have to have some method for paying yourself to where you're going to survive. Um, if you are constantly 
worried about paying the bills and this and that. The company's not mature enough for you yet then. You can't pay yourself, obviously. If you're going to go full-time, now you're paying yourself. There's a lot of people who say, well, I'm full-time no matter what. I don't get a choice of being part-time because any hour I spend away from my baby is just money not spent well. I'm better off investing in my company. And it's like, okay, that's called sweat equity. You are paying yourself. You're just going to pay yourself later. If you're justifying it that way in your head, fine. Go put all the sweat equity you can in, especially if you have the resources to do it. But you know you're building a bank in your head and you're saying, okay, I'm about a year in, so I'm owed you know, 100 grand, 200 grand, whatever it is you're used to. Um, but then there's that second stage, the real financial stage, which is, if the company, and I have a, a numbers I work with, okay? And the numbers are, if I produce the product for $1 and I sell it for two, well, let's take that back. If I produce it for $1 and, all I, and I sell it for $1, all I've done is pay for the product. If I produce it for $1 and I sell it for $2, I have enough to increase my inventory a little bit, okay? But I haven't paid myself. I haven't paid my rent. I haven't done anything. I haven't even sold them yet. As I keep upping the cost in the thing, number one, number two, number three, number four is a multiple. Once you get to number four, you're paying yourself. So if I'm buying it for a dollar and I'm selling it for four successfully, I should be able to pay myself because the first dollar went to cost of goods. The second dollar went to, to growing the inventory. The third dollar went to all of the other expenses and things that I have to support. And then the fourth dollar goes to me. There is enough profit in there for me to pull money. If you're not pulling a 4X on the thing on that raw, raw, raw cost, and that's harder for some people to determine, especially let's say if you're an actor or something like that. But when you have any sort of physical product or service that's charged by the hour or something that's tangible, you can go in there and say, what is my hard cost to produce that thing? And how much am I being paid for it at the end? If you've got a 4X multiple, you should be paying yourself. Tell me about sweat money, because that sounds just like <laughs> a, another excuse not to pay yourself. Okay, so sweat money is worth more than real money. If you pay me real money... I want 50 grand. If you pay me sweat money, I want 75 grand. I want a 50% multiple on that because I didn't get the money, number one. I didn't get the benefit and use of it during that time. And number two, I was absolutely taking a risk. I was taking a chance. And with risk comes reward. If I pay you on day one of me making the company or me having the idea, but I start paying you on day one, don't expect one single share of stock. If you didn't go in with me on the sweat money, don't expect shares. If you got paid, you got paid. You had no risk. I had risk. So sweat equals risk in my world. So sweat money's worth more than real money. So why? I, I think that's why a lot of people opt for it. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'll determine the value later when the company's worth a zillion dollars. Um, I have not done that in any of the companies I have. I've never taken back pay. I've always just kind of put it in and said, yeah, that's why I got my percentage of the company. Everybody else gets their percentage of the company for dollars in. I get my percentage of the company for the value I put in creating this thing. Now, I sense a little bit of BS here. See, unlike most of the entrepreneurs I interviewed for this podcast, this guy had been around the block more than a few times. I was wondering if Shark Wheel's success had fogged Davy's narrative. So I asked him, is it really true, even at the very beginning, that he's never deprived himself a salary? No. Well, 
No, not even then. Um, the very first company that was actually a real, real company was in the financial services industry. And I had gone to my father-in-law for a loan. You know, self-employed prior to that was doing any kind of gig I could. Um, I had done fast food. I take that back. I've done fast food. So that's that's definitely a real job, but never fired from it. Um, the uh, Once I had the first company – it was monetized with a uh, a decent amount of money up front that I bothered, but I borrowed from my father in law, and I immediately paid myself enough to pay the rent and the ramen so that I could be there every day. Again, if it, I say if it's full time, you gotta have enough coming out for yourself. There's no such thing as sweat equitying your way through bankruptcy and foreclosure and homelessness. That doesn't work. Turns out sweat equity isn't as gross as it sounds. But even so, for some, it's not necessary. Akila is founder of Edge Entity in Memphis, a company that makes products to stimulate hair growth. She's sole owner and determined to run her business without investors. But like David, she is adamant you have to pay yourself a salary from the get-go. In fact, you should treat yourself just like an employee. Her logic? Keeping the tax man at bay. Um, I think you should start paying yourself Im- immediately. Um, at first, you know, I, I was thinking... You know, I need to put all of my money back into the business and, you know, maybe I shouldn't pay myself at all. Now, I know that some of my FedEx um, Entrepreneur Advisory Board members, they don't agree because we've discussed this before with the way that I pay myself. They prefer that you do a draw where you just draw money out of your account, your business account, and you pay taxes on it later. I like to pay my taxes up front. And the EAB members are the other entrepreneurs that you meet up with, right? Yes, yes. The uh, the other um, entrepreneurs um, that I meet up with FedEx, um, we had this this, this discussion, and um, they were like, "You don't need to do it that way." But this is just the way that I pay myself. This is the way I prefer. I like to pay my taxes early. I like to pay my taxes up front. I don't like to have a balance. So I pay myself like I pay my employees, which is direct deposit weekly. And that way, because honestly, if I didn't do it that way, I probably wouldn't pay myself at all. I probably wouldn't pay myself at all because I am the kind of person that just, I I don't, you know, I'm more concerned about putting my money back into the business. So I would probably go weeks without giving myself anything, you know, and just pretty much um, use whatever it is in my account and then notice like, oh, yeah, I haven't even taken money out of my accounts to put into my, you know, I'm not concerned about paying myself as much as I'm concerned about um, putting the money back into the business. So you should pay yourself, but I think it should be in a strategic way. Um, you shouldn't just take $10,000. That's what I was doing at first. I would take like whatever out of my account, put it into my other account, take it out of my business account, put it into my personal account. But I think it should be a lot more strategic than that. You should pay yourself weekly and... You know, make sure that it's a decent amount, you know, but not too much where, you know, the the idea, I don't know, I, maybe I, I'm feeling like the idea is not to just uh, get rich off of your business. That's just my own opinion. You know, maybe we are rich off our businesses and we don't know it, but the idea is to keep the money in the businesses so that we could grow our business, not to just take all of the money from our business. So, you know, I pay myself a fair amount, a really fair amount, but I stick to that same amount. Just like my employees, all of them get paid a certain amount an hour. So I treat myself the same way. 
even though I'm working around the clock 24-7. You know, I pay myself the same thing all the time. I don't increase my wage. <laughs> I just keep it the same. But yeah, pay yourself, but not in a frivolous way where you're just taking a bunch of money out of your account, your business account, you know, because I don't want to be selfish to my business. You have to remember that your business is your baby. So you don't want to keep taking from it. So that's just the way that I look look at it. But it seems like your approach is a little bit different as well because you seem to pay yourself so you're not hit with a big tax bill from the IRS at the end of the year. It's quite strategic. Right, yes. I don't want to be hit with, I mean, think about it. Um, paying myself a certain amount of money from my business account now it, it's to the IRS, even though I am the business owner, that is an expense to my business to have to pay a certain amount of money to an additional employee. And then for me, by allowing the IRS to take so much of money out of my paycheck every week, now I've also paid the IRS for, you know, a, a, just a large amount of my taxes. So it works great two different ways my business wins and I win so I mean it's good for me I mean I, I thought it was a good strategy Akila recounting her discussion about taking money out of the company with other entrepreneurs reminds me of how contentious this subject really is the meeting with FedEx entrepreneurial advisory board members she spoke about was one that I was at too and ultimately the inspiration for this podcast series they speak about pretty much everything at these meetups the good and the bad Everything from being destitute to that time they were on Shark Tank. But I was missing something when I was talking to these guys about paying yourself. It seemed obvious to me that at least one or two of them had sought other more risky sources of finance to live off. They just didn't want to talk about it. Let me introduce Diana and Jean, founders of The Groomsman Suit, a company based out of Chicago that designs and sells affordable suits and tuxedos for weddings. They were pretty upfront about using credit cards to kickstart their business. After all, if you broke, what other option do you have? So we started paying ourselves um, about in, a year in a year into yeah. the business. Yeah, we um, we were really scrappy that our first year of business. We were both living in New York, um, which is a hard city to to live in and not earn a paycheck. Um, but we both had some savings and we were just, you know, really dedicated to putting everything back into the company. But we, you know, we, um, did some creative things. Like I had to sell my car. I had a car at the time and the company needed a car because we were driving all over. And so we, we kind of sold that to the company to kind of give me a little cash to survive for a few months until we got into our first full year in 2017 when we started paying ourselves. Lots um, of, um, you know, credit cards with 0% interest for 24 <laughs> yeah. months. Those are helpful. Those are really yeah, helpful. Yeah, cash advance cards. <laughs> I mean, we each opened like three <laughs> credit cards. We, yeah, we definitely, I don't know that you would give that advice to someone <laughs> starting a business, but we were so confident that within that time frame, if and when those balances were due, we would be fine um, just because of the pace that we were growing the business and and we were doubling down. Yeah. It was mostly to pay for the inventory that we needed. Um, 
So yeah, that wasn't necessarily to pay for our, you know, pay ourselves, but it also, because we had those credit cards, we eventually, I think it helped us start paying ourselves from the company a little bit sooner. Yeah, Um, it just sort of buffered the need for cash. So, you know, the cash that we had was our personal, you know, live off of cash. And then the credit cards were our way of delaying delaying the need for payment until we actually had some revenue coming in to the business. So it kept it nice and clean where we weren't like shoveling our own personal cash at these things and then sort of waiting for the dust to settle and see who gets who needed to be paid back or what that meant, you know, for the business versus our personal money. You're listening to Making It Work. Coming up. Oh, God, I just lost that really big client. Maybe I'll reward myself with a dinner dinner night out and a bottle of wine. <laughs> it's like the ramen and all that other kind of stuff. It's like, that's all you have time to make, let alone <laughs> afford. I said, okay, so if I can get my personal and my business accounts to $50,000 each, then I deserve a Chanel bag. When we decided to discuss paying yourself with our entrepreneurs, I never considered some of them would have experienced such grave financial difficulty. But it's surprising how quickly our conversations would transition into tales of poverty. One told me how, despite being 31 years of age and having a wife and kids, he'd never stopped living like a student. He didn't complain about it. None of them did. When you go so long living without, you learn to derive pleasure from what you're actually doing. Remember Dana, who makes laundry for breast cancer survivors? She says nothing material can compete with the kick you get from landing a big client. And besides, she doesn't have time to spend the money anyway. (laughs) That's a really, really good point. Um, I don't have any time to spend any money, so all I really need to do is put gas in my car, feed myself, and pay my mortgage. And uh, it is interesting because I I came from a a great career. I had a really nice paycheck. I had no issues with looking at the balance of my checking book. The money was always there. And it was amazing how in life we just fill in ways to spend our money. We don't really look at it. So I make my coffee at home in the morning now rather than going to a coffee shop that I love to stop into in the morning to grab my really beautifully brewed coffee. I can't afford a $5 coffee every day anymore, but I can still make coffee. I can just make coffee at my house. So you have to kind of put things into perspective and and say to yourself, okay, you know, maybe I used to eat out five nights a week and I would maybe have a bottle of wine or, you know, have some appetizers in a dessert. And now maybe you eat out once a week, you know, you just, you have to scale everything back um, and adjust to a new lifestyle. But when you are running a business, it's probably because you're really, truly passionate about it. And so much of your time and energy goes there anyways. There isn't time to take a 14-day vacation in the middle of the tropics. (laughs) You're just always at work. Uh, On the other hand, is is it important to reward yourself? Wow. Rewarding yourself as a founder comes in a different form for me. I feel rewarded when we win big. I feel rewarded when we get a new client or a new customer or a new opportunity. And because my business is my life now, that is my reward. And that is what I get accomplishment, like a level of accomplishment from is saying, wow, we did a really, really great job. And we just landed this awesome client and like 
go us. And, and that feels rewarding to me. So from a personal reward standpoint, because I'm fulfilled through my business, I don't look at coming home and saying, you know what? I did such a good job today at work. I'm going to go buy a new pair of shoes, you know? So it's just, it's, it's the, the aspect of what is rewarding and what is fulfilling starts to flip because your business is your life and you feel really good about those things. Now, when business goes really bad on the reflective side and you say, oh God, I just lost that really big client. Maybe I'll reward myself with a dinner dinner night out and a bottle of wine <laughs> because I deserve it. It seems there's no problem with treating yourself every now and again. It's how you do it that's important. Well, that's according to Akila anyway, the one with the hair stimulant company. She's the first to admit she likes the finer things in life, but reckons anything you buy yourself should be used as an incentive to get money in the bank. I started by asking her the same as I did Dana, whether she even has time to spend the cash she makes. No, no, you don't. You don't. And I am one of those people that like things, you know, like I like to, I do buy expensive things sometimes. You know, I like my my name brands. I have like, you know, Chanel bags and just different things. But for me, it has to be, I have to be awarding myself of any of those things. I can't, I don't just go out and buy just because I have it to buy. I, if I've made an accomplishment, you know, I will buy myself something nice. But in the beginning, I was so stingy with myself. Like I would not buy myself anything until I reached a certain amount. Like um, my account had to be a certain number before I would make a, a purchase for myself. I, like that's how disciplined I was. I was like, okay, I, I remember I wanted to buy like this Chanel bag and it was so pretty. And I was like, I will not buy this bag because it's $5,000. But I said, okay, so if I can get my personal and my business account to $50,000 each, then I deserve a Chanel bag. Once I got to $50,000 in my personal, $50,000 in my business account, I was like, okay, now I can get the Chanel bag. And then I said, you know what? But if I buy a Chanel bag for $5,000, now my account will be down to $45,000. I said, no. Okay, now I got to get it to $55,000. Then I'm able to buy the Chanel bag. And once I just felt comfortable that way, same thing with my car. I was like, if I don't have both accounts to $100,000, I don't deserve a car that costs $100,000. I just don't deserve it because my priorities are not in order. That's the way I disciplined myself. I was so strict with myself. Like, even though I had the money, it was like, no, you have to actually have the money. You have to actually have it in order to deserve something as grand. So that was the way my, my thought process was. And it still is, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I just don't deserve it unless I've done something so spectacular. That's just the way that I am. But I was really disciplined in the beginning. But a lot of people, they'll get like start seeing a little bit of money and then they start splurging and taking trips. And, you know, it's like, no, you're 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 still broke. <laughs> you're still broke. Your business is still broke. You can't do this stuff. So, yeah, I was so strict on myself. Have you always been financially responsible even before you started your business? No, I think it took for me to start my business. I, I'm not going to say that I wasn't financially responsible. Um, I mean, I was, I, I, you know, I was the kind of person that, you know, paid my bills on time and stuff like that, you know, but 
this was a whole new level of responsibility. It was totally different. You know, the responsibility that comes with running a business is, um, especially financially responsible. I have to make certain decisions and make sure I make them correctly because at this point, it's not just me. I have my employees that have to feed their kids every day. And I have people who rely on me. So the responsibility is not just about me anymore. It's about the people that, you know, the business affects. So it's totally different. It's a new level of responsibility. And we're not talking about just a couple of hundred dollars. We're talking about thousands of dollars a week, you know, because if I'm bringing in a certain kind of money, trust me, that inventory is going to reflect what I'm bringing in. I'm going to have to always replenish the inventory. I'm always going to have, my employees are going to work more hours. This financial responsibility, the IRS and taxes and everything is just a new level. But I've always been a little bit responsible, but this has really taught me a lot. It's scary sometimes. <laughs> and the uh, Chanel bag, was it worth it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I've been told that the transition from steady paycheck to watching every penny is tough, but everyone I spoke to was in agreement that it made them view things in a different way. Like your parents always told you, you have to learn the real value of money. And what better way than not having any? Let's check back in with Diana and Jean, who make the wedding suits. They tell me their work is now their hobby. And if their business starts bringing in serious cash, they'll reward themselves with, well, starting another business. I mean, if if we had more money, we would figure out how to, how to spend sure. it on fun stuff. But but we're having fun. But we are we're, we work so much, and this is what this is just our main focus. So it's it, it's not easy for us. We don't get distracted by like needings to buy, to go shopping or buy things. Yeah, it's amazing what how your perspective on money it changes is. when you're just really love what you're doing. You know, we we probably would be fine if we didn't even pay ourselves right now because we are just having so much fun. I mean, for the first year, we didn't really earn a dime and we couldn't have been happier. So, yeah, it, um, does, it definitely changes from leaving a corporate job where you have the comfort of that steady paycheck and you're watching your savings grow and, you know, you're being really careful on planning and investing and then, to, to do something like we did and just watch it, just to watch the balance line go down and your personal bank account, and your expenses, and then to realize like, hey, you know what? I'm We're happier than we've ever been. Money really does, you know, you need money, um, but money, the, the amount that you need is actually far less than you, than you realize until you don't yeah. have it. <laughs> I think it's definitely helped us live a little bit more simply, for sure. I mean, I we downsized when we were in New York. I moved from Boston to New York, and I, like, literally got rid of so much stuff, mm. um, and I didn't even need it, you know? So it's been um, a great life lesson, I think. Maybe you'll become multimillionaires, and you won't know what to do with the money. Honestly, like, I think about that, and I'm like, I'll probably just put it in a random savings account and then do start and start something else with Gene, you know, like I'm just gonna like this. It's the journey it, here. Yeah. That's what's so fulfilling. It's fun to think that one day maybe we would have money to play with, to do more 
stuff, more, start more businesses. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like exactly that's what we like, always laugh about. Like, Ooh, if we had money to just do whatever time. we wanted business, we, yeah. Yeah. Next would, time around, if we actually had funds. That would be really imagine. interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it's truly the factor that prevents a lot of people from starting their own companies or starting their own ideas because, I mean, I have a lot of friends from business school that would love to be doing what Jean and I are doing, but they've worked in on Wall Street for so long. They've, they're earning a certain income. They no longer can really downsize their life to be able to sort of live um, on, you know, $2,000 a month. Um, and so that's really like a barrier to entry for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I would say if any anyone looking to start a business, it's really important, you know, a few years in advance or while you're saving money to really be careful about increasing your lifestyle and what you need to have the lifestyle, whether that be like your rent, um, you know, buying buying nice things for your house or, you know, like live as simply as you can. It makes it so much easier to take a risk uh, that could be, you know, life-changing in terms yeah. of happiness, levels of happiness, and even financially down the road. You'll also remove a lot of distraction, too, when you kind of downsize your life. You'll remove a lot of, like, pre past distractions on, you know, materialistic things and really be able to focus on this new endeavor that you're starting. You know, money kind of tends to distract people, and when um, when you don't have a ton of it flying around, it makes your prior. It helps you prioritize things. If you need money, you just find it. Yeah, you just <laughs> talk about like how you're gonna scrape some pennies yeah. together. I yeah. mean, I pick up change on the sidewalk all the time. <laughs> that's so. her. Sa that's her savings plan. <laughs> that was my. That was one. That was one Coffee. way I was earning Coffee. money on the streets of New York. I would just look for change. <laughs> There's shockingly a lot of change in New York. <laughs> For the for the good luck as well, of course. That's right. Well, I just I always say it's a genius. It's always like, for the luck. She does it for the luck. I'm like, we are entrepreneurs. We never leave money on the table. I cannot physically walk by uh, walk by a penny on the sidewalk. I just think it's disrespectful. It's bad juju. <laughs> like now I've started doing it. Now yeah, I'm like, we have to put the energy out there. <laughs> Hearing Jean and Diana, you can't help but get the feeling they really do love what they're doing. It's partly because we interview them together and they riff off one another and finish each other's sentences. But it's also because they realise they're in the moment. This concept is best explained by David, the guy that makes the wheels and the one we'll finish up with. He reminds you that whether you're living off instant ramen or paying yourself enough to buy a steak dinner, you've got to have fun along the way. I enjoyed those times in my life. You know, it was simple times. There's nothing wrong with those times. Nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, a lot of times they're the best times of your life. You know, it's like they say, it's always the journey. You know, it's building the thing. It's when it was fun and exciting and new and you were, you know, put the first plug in the office and the first outlet and the first computer turned on. I mean, those are the best memories. Do you think people fail to recognize that at the time? Yes, those times, those times when you cash strapped, you you're always thinking of being rich. Remember, I'm old, so I get to speak with these rose-colored glasses on. Um, when you're doing it, 
you don't know if it's going to succeed or not. So all you feel is this horrifying fire in your belly to get it done. And there isn't time to sit back and smell the roses and, you know, really take it all in and think, wow, look at how humble we are. We're going to be such a success one day. No, you have no idea if it's going to happen. It's like, you had 10 grand, you spent eight on computers and two on the first month's rent, and you need to start turning cash. And that's the way it goes. So uh, no, nobody gets to appreciate it. That's the funny part of it because you never know when it was. You don't know if you're in the middle of it right now. Is this the beginning or is this the beginning of a failure that the next one is the beginning and I shouldn't be savoring this failure. I don't celebrate. I'm not one of those guys who sits there and tries to spike the ball. There's been a couple recently where I had to, but um, I tend to always look at it as, you know, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? When you started your first company, did you find that you didn't have that much time to spend money? <laughs> That's exactly it. That is exactly the funny thing about it. It's like the ramen and all that other kind of stuff. It's like, that's all you have time to make, let alone afford. It's like, it's all you have time to eat and make. You only have the minutes while the microwave is spewing up so that you can uh, get the ramen in you. Um, you know, it's always your passion. It's always your thing. It's that it, you're you're having so much fun building it that you're staying all night and you're sleeping at the office and you're doing that kind of stuff. And so vacation, spending money on superfluous things, going shopping for knickknacks, no, that don't happen. You, you don't spend money by, you know, it just forces you that way. And that's why the ramen's always okay at those points because you just wanted something fast anyway. Can you tell I like the ramen? Coming up next time. Where every time we're like, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. Okay, you're you're getting drugs from a drug dealer. So I just basically did a random drug test. The police came. Uh, her boyfriend came. You made me paranoid now, Dana, that I'm getting replaced. <laughs> That's it for the very first episode of Making It Work. We would love to know what you think, so remember to rate this podcast. And if you don't want to miss the next one, be sure to subscribe. Thanks to our entrepreneurs, Dana Donafrey, David Patrick, Akila Augusta, Diana Gans, and Jean Foley for their advice. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Marguerite, written by Tom Scallon, with creative direction from Jeroen von Koningshoven. Also thanks to Wayne Parker Kent. Music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created the song with actual sounds from the FedEx Superhub in Memphis, Tennessee. The show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin. <laughs>